According to St. Luke, everyone who is able is invited to stand. Now, large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether that one has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish it all, who, uh, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish, or... What king going out to war against another king will not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions." The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever, the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Okay, so I have, I have a, a confession. I, I have something of a problem. And... and and not in the Frank Costanza Festivus airing of the grievances sense of it. My, my problem isn't with you people. It's, it's, with, it's with me. And the nature of this problem causes me great shame. So it's not easy to talk about, especially in public, especially from the pulpit. I mean, who really yearns to get up and be vulnerable to a room full of people. But, you know, I mean, I've beaten the drum of truth and honesty uh, so often and talked about how this is one of the rare congregations where it feels safe to be the same person you are in public as you are in private. And not to have to worry that if people actually saw the real you, that they judge you. As I say, it, that's an amazingly rare gift in this world where people are so busy hiding their most authentic selves from the invasively censorious glance of a world feverishly looking for any opportunity to, to, to judge us. So I, I want to keep faith with this community by practicing what I preach, by just being honest. Okay, all right, so here it goes. I have a problem. My mouth gets me in a lot of trouble. See, I, I, I see the shocked look on your faces, but it's true. 
It happens. Now, look, I know that might seem to you like a kind of pathetic admission, you who probably never have to worry uh, about your mouth getting you into trouble. Lucky you. But me, see, I've got to stay vigilant lest I talk my way into situations I can't easily talk my way out of. Now, you may be thinking, hmm. Of course, you have a problem with your mouth. Everybody knows you've got a problem with your mouth, and it's forever getting you in hot water. I mean, we all figured that out a long time ago and, 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 and thought that that was probably why you liked your job so much. Oh, well, sure, yes. I mean, that may be true, but, that, but that's not the problem I'm talking about. See, the, the, the word that gets me into the biggest messes isn't some sort of rhetorical bomb throwing that I maybe take a little bit too much glee in. No, the, the word that makes my life such a dangerous thing and often miserable is the word yes. Yes. I mean, it's a really a simple word, isn't it? But saying it, I mean, it can be like pulling the pin on a grenade. I mean, if you don't keep a tight grip everything probably is going to blow up. So, so I'll look, here's how it happens. I'm sitting in my office, and then I check an email, and, and I see something from somebody I know, and the subject line says something like, <clears throat> can you help, or urgent request, or I need to ask a favor. And what usually follows, though, I mean, not always, is something legitimately important. Could you help with rent for a single mother of two? Or do you think that we could use the church building to host a fundraiser? And would you be willing to clean up afterwards? Or uh, would you consider chairing the state committee to preserve Hello Kitty socks and Pokemon armbands in our schools? And me, either not wanting to let people down or thinking that it would be really cool to be the state Hello Kitty and Pokemon chairman, looks at my calendar, certain that five more meetings a month shouldn't be that big of a commitment. And I say, yeah, sure, I'm your man. Just tell me what you need. And often after I wake up amid an unmanageable life of sprawling commitments, I think, you know, you know maybe I didn't think this all the way through. Because saying yes can get you into trouble that uh, you might otherwise have avoided by coming clean that some commitments just look unreasonable. Following Jesus down all the dark alleys he frequents, for instance, falls into this category of a life filled with the potential unintended consequences of checking yes on the vocational survey form. I mean, following Jesus, like, like buying a 1997 Toyota Corolla from Slick Ray's used car emporium, means probably discovering a bunch of costs you hadn't paid attention to until it's time to sign on the dotted line. I mean, we just look at our gospel for today. So, to set the, 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 the kind of context, Jesus has been eating with his longtime frenemies, the Pharisees, 
where he's proceeded to lecture his hosts on compassion, humility, hospitality at dinner parties. And he tells them, if you remember from last week, that when they're holding these domestic soirees, they shouldn't invite their friends and families, but, but, but rather they should invite the poor, the disabled, the lame, the blind. And you will be blessed, Jesus said, says, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. One of the dinner guests tells, uh, Luke tells us, sort of latches on to Jesus' reference to the end times, and he, 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 he launches into a chorus of when the roll is called up yonder, prompting Jesus to tell the parable of the great feast. Do you remember that one, right? Uh, a man throws a big bash and instructs his servant to go out and tell the guests that the, the champagne is chilled and the prime rib is pink, but when told that everything is ready, everybody who'd been invited starts making excuses about why they can't come. Well, I mean, I wish I could, but, but, but we disclosed on our new igloo, and I, and I promised to take the kids down to do a little snowshoeing. Or, oh, I'm sorry, was that today? I, I'm sorry, I just bought a new can of WD-40, and I thought I'd grease all the hinges in the house. Or, I'd, I'd love to come, but tonight, you know, it's our seven-week anniversary. We've already made plans for a romantic dinner at Dairy Queen. Master of the house, thrower of parties, gets his knickers in a bunch, and he tells the servant to go down to the local shelter and invite all those people home for dinner. Now, when the shelter people finally show up, he looks out and he sees that the hall's not even full. And so the master tells him to get out the bullhorn and start inviting everybody, except those who were, you know, too busy to accept the first time. I mean, they're not getting any, they're not getting so much as a cocktail weenie. All of which brings us to our gospel reading for today, where Jesus sort of does a 180 from the parable of the great feast, where everybody's on the guest list. Now, he seems to be uninviting people to his own little party, which we know winds up being given at the town garbage dump. And that little shindig at the place of the skull came with its own unsavory dinner party guests one dark Friday afternoon, not too far off in the future, but I'm getting ahead of myself. In our passage for today, Jesus seems to contradict himself by saying that anyone who wants to come to his party has to make sure that they know what they're getting into before they accept his invitation. I mean, going to this party apparently can have important implication for your family life. In fact, Jesus says, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Well, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but hate is a pretty strong word, isn't it? People kill, exploit, exclude others because of it. Our country's currently tearing itself apart over that word. So, I mean, is Jesus really throwing over the ethic of love in favor of an ethic of hate? A, a, a world of inclusion for a world of exclusion? No. In, in this context, to hate something is to choose between two things. 
Sometimes, even between two really good things. See, Jesus is saying that anyone who wants to follow him, who, who, who wants to go to the party he's throwing, will ultimately have to make every loyalty, home, nation, family, political party, college football team, secondary to commitment to Jesus. See, if you can't bring yourself to carry that particular cross, well, you know, maybe you better rethink your decision to follow him, which is to say you, 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 you need to count the cost of discipleship. I mean, it's, it's outrageously high. Well, Jesus is baffling, isn't he? I mean, notice here that we find him once again throwing up roadblocks to potential followers. So, I mean, in one breath, he says, if you're invited to the party, don't make any excuses about why you can't come. And in the next breath, he says, if you're invited to the party, don't come if you don't think you can handle the conga line. So which is it? I mean, follow or stay home? It's kind of difficult to figure out what you're driving at here, Jesus. It's kind of passive-aggressive, don't you think? Come, don't come. But part of the reason that Jesus puts out this disclaimer is that too often people think they want from faith ease of use, friction-free, no must, no fuss, no ironing necessary. But Jesus knows that a few hardy souls aren't in the market for easy. They want interesting. The kind of people Jesus is appealing to are looking for, for meaning and, and, and purpose, for adventure. One time I, I took a, a youth group to go water, whitewater rafting down in Chattanooga and the Okoe River. Uh, this was some years back. I wasn't really that worried about it. I mean, they were going to let a bunch of teenagers do it, for crying out loud. So uh, how dangerous could it be, right? <clears throat> of course, when you get there, they run through this long list of things that you're supposed to do or not do. Stuff like if you, if you fall out of the raft in the rapids, don't try to stand up. Just float until you're in calmer water. Because if you stand up, your foot might get caught, and the force of the rapids will break your leg like a dry stick. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, that makes good sense. Don't, don't stand up. But I'm, even as I thought it, I was pretty sure that that kind of thing probably never really happened. Like, like they're just trying to scare us straight. The, the, the real message I figured was something a little less dire than, you know, keeping you from breaking your leg in the rapids. It was something like, you know, keep your arms and legs in the ride, you know, at all times. Now, at that point, I, I was still pretty confident that this was more like a sort of roller coaster ride, you know, with guardrails and redundant safety features. I mean, obviously, terrible things can happen on a roller coaster, but it's super rare. I, I figured that whitewater rafting had to be something like that rather than, you know, a real wild and woolly outdoor escapade. But then, the guy who was going to be our guide said something that kind of made me take a step back and reconsider what we were actually getting ourselves into. He said, and lastly, don't bring anything with you that you aren't prepared to lose. 
Because if you really care about it, you might go home without it. It's harsh words, right? Immediately I thought of my wife and two infant children back home, and it occurred to me that if they were here, I'd, I'd, I'd have backed out right then and there. I mean, there's no way I'd risk losing them, right? So with new reservations about what I was getting myself into, I hopped aboard the raft, and it, I mean, it's almost like we were flying. The whole thing was so amazing. And to think, I'd seriously questioned whether or not I should even go. I mean, I was glad I did, but that little phrase about not bringing anything I didn't want to lose, it kind of threw me for a loop. It's not a very good marketing solicitation, is it? About 10 years ago, as a kind of a joke, I did a Tumblr blog with what I thought would be sort of interesting ideas for church marketing. The stuff that the church really ought to say on its church signs out front, right? Like most churches have really kind of catchy slogans, right? Life is a missing puzzle. Come in and find the missing piece, you know, P-E-A-C-E. <laughs> Got it? Or, or C-H underline C-H. What's missing? You are. Or, I mean, or just simple stuff like a place to grow or a family church. I mean, I, I, I thought those appeals were either like too dad jokey or, 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 you know, maybe just a little bit too sappy. And not only that, I, 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 mean, I just could never figure, picture Jesus saying any of that stuff. I figured church signs ought to be closer to something that Jesus might actually say himself. Something a bit more interesting. So then I thought, you know, why doesn't C, uh, DBCC get a, a, a new church sign out front that all of Bardstown Road can see with, with, with a slogan that says in big, bold letters, Douglas Boulevard Christian Church, go away. It's dangerous here. Or Douglas Boulevard Christian Church, this probably isn't the place for you. Or Douglas Boulevard Christian Church, we've been rejected by better people than you. Or, or my favorite, Douglas Boulevard Christian Church. Your family's going to be so ticked when they find out you came here. <laughs> See, now, when I say that stuff out loud, people get that kind of befuddled, did he just say what I think he said, kind of look on their face? You know, that look that parents give each other when they hear a particularly nasty curse word wafting up from the back seat out of the mouth of their angelic three-year-old. But when I say that stuff, I'm only half kidding. If you stop to think about it, Jesus sounds a, a little like that, doesn't he? I mean, despite the belief that there's nothing more dangerous in being a Christian than showing up to church every Sunday, following Jesus is often, some, uh, often difficult and demanding. It, it costs a great deal more than we can afford on our own. And let's not kid ourselves. If we're serious about this Jesus stuff, there are crosses with all of our names on them. I'm just waiting for us. I mean, your cross might be made from the wood of ministering to the houseless. 
Or it might be carved from the ancient timber of speaking out against rape culture and the need to recognize the control women and pregnant people should have over their own bodies. It might be the lonely stand of trees that make up caring for those with physical disabilities or mental illness. It might come from the lumber of Black Lives Matter or feeding the hungry or advocating for immigrants' rights or caring for God's creation or demanding an end to gun violence or welcoming the refugee or standing up against the injustices that confront LGBTQ people. It could be any of those things. But don't don't be mistaken, if you follow Jesus, there's a cross for you. He said so. It's the cost of discipleship. True. But it's also the cost of fully being the human beings God created us to be in the world God desires for everybody. Don't bring anything with you that you aren't prepared to lose. Now, if that's the kind of adventure that you're looking for, if that's the kind of yes you're willing to get in trouble for saying, well, I know somebody who's taken applications. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate the podcast on iTunes, retweet the link, or just tell your friends. Godspeed until next time on the Douglas Boulevard Christian Church Podcast.